Fear. Fear and stress are very similar. They oftentimes feel the same. If you truly understand fear and get a clear picture of what is happening when you feel fear, you can oftentimes do away with the need to fear things at all. You can make the fear disappear. In my class, when we begin our focus on fear, I start with this ominous-sounding question. Why do you think you are here? I don't mean to ask the students why they are here in this building on this particular day. I ask them why they feel they are alive and what they are here to do while they are alive. What is their purpose for living and being? Do you recall asking yourself this question earlier in this workbook? They commonly respond with answers like these. To learn everything I can. To enjoy life to the fullest. To make a difference in other people's lives. To serve others. To support a family and provide a quality life for my kids. To develop my skills, talents, and natural abilities. To have a good time. To work toward and reach my goals I set for myself. Expansion. After some discussion, I tell the class that I would like to add an additional purpose that takes into account some of these already mentioned. I introduce the idea that one purpose for living is to expand. I believe that you and I and everyone that gets to live a lifetime on this earth are here to expand, to grow, to become more of who we are. We are beings with infinite potential and amazing capabilities. This desire to expand is an instinctive part of your nature. You may not always follow it, but inside of you, dormant perhaps, is this tendency, this urge to become more of who you are. However, realizing that potential is a gradual process. It doesn't happen in an instant. You expand in the direction of your potential much like a balloon expands as air is slowly blown into it. Comfort Zones Interestingly, in contrast to our desire to expand, is our tendency to gravitate toward our comfort zones. A comfort zone is any place, situation, relationship, or experience where we don't feel any threat to our sense of well-being. It is where we feel safe. It is usually a known place or situation where we feel some control, or at least we usually know what is going to happen. We like to feel comfortable. Examples of comfort zones include our homes, our jobs, and the things we commonly do every day. Our comfort zones also include the people with whom we spend time, such as our friends or family the places we frequently go to eat, the types of food we eat, the places we go to exercise, the type of car we drive, and the routes we commonly travel to get to our various destinations. We prefer being in places, around people, and doing things that are routine for us when they pose no threat. Leaving the Comfort Zone Now comes the tricky part. In order to realize this aspect of your human nature, which is to expand and grow, you must leave your comfort zones. You must do things that feel uncomfortable. There's very little growth, expansion, or progress when you spend your time and energy in those places we would call your comfort zones. Certainly, you are usually safe and tend to enjoy pleasant experiences there, 
but little expansive movement happens in your comfort zones. Moving out of your comfort zone doesn't happen without effort on your part. Your effort produces the expansion. However, this effort usually involves overcoming or dealing with some type of fear. We could call the part outside of our comfort zones our discomfort zones because the name implies that you don't feel especially comfortable out there. Nevertheless, if you are to expand and grow, that is where you must put yourself. Moving into your discomfort zones consistently involves facing your fears. What is fear? It is important to understand what fear really is. When you understand how you think when you fear something, it becomes easier to do something to change the subsequent feelings of fear. Fear usually involves a focus on the future. You create in your imagination thoughts that something in the future, an event or experience, is going to be painful or uncomfortable. Fear is the feeling of wanting to avoid the future-oriented imagined pain or discomfort. Fear and the stress response. Recall that the stress response happens because you want to prepare for a threat that might cause you to feel pain. The body mobilizes its system to supply you with power and speed. Fear is similar in that it is our desire to avoid pain. Rather than responding with speed and power, however, we respond with immobility. Fear keeps you from moving forward toward a specific outcome. Aspects of Fear Many people have never really thought rationally about their fears. They are just afraid of certain things and feel stuck to those fears. The following aspects of fear might surprise you, but they are true, and learning about them can be very beneficial in overcoming fear. 1. Nothing in the world is inherently fearful. Like stress, nothing out there universally causes fear for everyone who experiences it. Fear is entirely an internal experience. Many people are scared to death of snakes. Others are content to have the little critters slithering all over them. The snake itself is not a frightening thing. The fear is the meaning you generate in your mind about the snake. If you have a belief about possible pain or discomfort, if you are around one, you do your best to avoid the slimy creatures. If you decide that there is no pain associated with snakes, you might enjoy being with them. Another obvious illustration is public speaking. Some have said that public speaking is the number one social fear in our culture. I know many people who are scared to death when they think of speaking in front of a group of people. Others I know do it regularly without giving it a second thought. These examples and plenty of others indicate to me that it isn't the snake or standing in front of an audience that creates the fear, but the thoughts that we have about these things. If they were inherently fearful, then everyone would be afraid of them, but everyone isn't. This understanding is useful because now, whenever you fear something, you can take responsibility and do something about it, rather than remaining a helpless victim. 2. 
fears are learned. We do not have a genetic predisposition to fear. Psychologists tell us that newborn babies may have a natural fear of falling and of loud noises. Others disagree, saying that babies are simply reacting to them. They don't really have the capacity to associate a pain with an experience. The jury is still out on which theory is true. Even if we do inherit these two fears, this leaves all of the other fears that we experience without any genetic component. In other words, you do not inherit fearful tendencies. You didn't get your fears from your parents or grandparents. Why then would you fear anything? If your fears are not inherited, then you must have learned them. You learn to fear something from your own experiences. If a child gets a painful sting from a bee, he may become afraid of bees because he has learned that bees can cause pain. We also learn to be afraid of things from the experiences of others. If a snake once bit your best friend and hurt her badly, you may come to believe that you too should avoid that pain. You are likely to create that fear in your own mind as much as if you had experienced it yourself. You don't have to experience that pain to understand that you'd rather not experience it yourself. Therefore, you avoid snakes and the pain the snakes might cause you. 3. If a fear is learned, it can also be unlearned. In the end, it doesn't matter when or where you began fearing something. If a fear is learned, then logically it can be unlearned. How can we be sure of this? because people stop being afraid of things all the time. In working with people dealing with fear, I've seen people overcome their fear of heights, small places, meeting others, quitting jobs, beginning relationships, ending relationships, public speaking, and a host of others. If one person can do it, so can someone else. Sure, it may be challenging, but it is possible. 4. There is no real pain in our discomfort zone. Your discomfort zones are only uncomfortable if you choose to make them uncomfortable. Just as no event is inherently fearful, the discomfort in the discomfort zone is also your own doing. You create the perception of potential threat, discomfort, or emotional pain. How do we know this is true? Our experience confirms this fact. We can demonstrate this by looking again at one of our most highly feared events public speaking, and determine where the real pain happens. Imagine that you are next to give an important speech to a large group of people on a subject that you care about deeply. While you're waiting your turn, you notice that your hands are cold and shaking. Your mouth is dry, and it's difficult to put your thoughts together. In other words, the stress response is cranking. Now, if we analyze this carefully... There doesn't seem to be any real pain being inflicted on you while you're sitting there while waiting your turn. So why activate the stress response? The walk from your chair to the podium is a safe one. You're introduced, no pain there. You give your speech to the audience. This entire time you've remained free from danger. Nobody threw any rocks, sticks, or tomatoes. They may have looked at you in funny ways. It isn't likely, but they could have gotten up and walked out of the room while you were speaking. But those actions don't hurt you physically either. You may interpret those actions to mean something awful. 
But you make that choice, as I mentioned before. They can't hurt you by their thoughts. Therefore, you've remained safe and pain-free during your entire speech. And now you are finished. You pick up your papers and walk back to your seat. Again, no pain. In every aspect of what, for some people, is the most fearful thing they can possibly think of doing, there really is nothing that warranted being afraid. It was entirely a safe experience. You can view almost every other event that people find fearful, follow it through from beginning to end, and find the same lack of real pain in every aspect of it. 5. We can handle the situations that we fear. How can you be sure that you can handle situations that you fear? There is one place where you can immediately look that will assure you that you can handle them. That place is your past experience. Throughout your life, you handle multiple situations that at first seem scary, but after completing them, you found that you remained safe and okay. Why would this currently feared situation be any different? It rarely is. 6. The only way to overcome our fears is by facing them. We could talk about all the reasons why you feel fear. We could discuss how your learned responses have caused you to feel afraid, but until you actually step through that border of your comfort zone, you will never rid yourself of your fears. As Shakespeare once observed, a coward dies a thousand deaths, a hero only one. Why is it this way? It is because the coward's fear keeps him from truly living. This thought of fear repeats itself and as a result he doesn't expand. He remains in the same place, in his comfort zone. The hero moves through his fear to get what he seeks. He expands. He doesn't think about it much. He simply moves in the direction of the feared thing into the comfort zone and finds that nothing is as painful as he thought it would be. In class, I ask the students to think of something that they fear, not something that will barely edge them outside of their comfort zones, but something that they know will move them way out there. I ask them to select something that they feel they ought to do, something that would add real value to their lives, but they haven't done because of their fear. Next, I ask them to use the next two weeks and actually take the steps that will move them through that experience or event they fear doing. They are to move well outside their comfort zone and do whatever it is they fear doing. I'm always amazed at the conclusion of this assignment at the breakthroughs, as well as the insights of the students who choose to go for it. Common phrases I hear sound like, I can't believe I was afraid of something so silly. I feel so alive and free since I did that. It's like a huge weight has been lifted from my shoulders. What a relief to know that I can do something that I never thought I could, or never tried, because of my fear. There is tremendous internal power that accompanies breaking through your fears. Once you recognize the true nature of your fear, you start to sense that there is so much more you can go for in life. You recognize your lack of growth has little to do with the external circumstances in your environment. On one occasion, I was eating dinner at a restaurant with two of my kids. After a while, my daughter told me she was quite thirsty and wanted another drink of water. I told her to ask the server to bring her a drink of water. 
Her face went sour, and her eyes lowered. I could tell she didn't want to. She was afraid of asking, but she really had no idea why she was even afraid. Similarly, others see something that they want, but their thoughts of potentially painful outcomes keep them from pursuing it. As in the case with my daughter, most of the things that we fear are based on empty ideas about what might happen to us, but usually don't. There was no threat. There would be no future pain in asking for a glass of water. It is the same with most of the things that you and I fear. The only pain that we will experience is the pain and discomfort that we create in our own minds. I might add, the final part of this class assignment involves inviting the students to find another fear and tackle that one as well. There is tremendous power in momentum. If you settle for one little victory, you stop the growth that you've started and go back to feeling safe in your comfort zones. The best thing you can do to continue your progress is venture out and pay another visit into your discomfort zones. Bit by bit, you realize how unreal fear really is. Worry. The dominant thought that precedes the emotion of worry is that things are going to get uncomfortable down the road. It is a lot like fear, only it has more to do with situations you don't have as much control over. You can use the ideas that I related to you in the fear section and apply them the same way. Here are some helpful ideas to consider when you feel the urge to worry. 1. Most things you worry about are out of your control. If something is out of your control, it is out of your control. Worrying won't change that. People tend to waste a lot of present moment energy that could be used for more beneficial purposes with the energy they spend worrying. 2. Worry is not the same as caring. This seems to be an especially difficult concept for women. Mothers especially tend to feel that if they love their children they should worry about them. But there is a difference between worry and love. Worry means you are focusing on an unpleasant future outcome, which may or may not occur. Then there is the relationship with your children who might interpret your worry to mean that you do not trust them. Also, worry does not have any constructive outcomes. It does not give you more control. It distracts you from enjoying the present moment with your children, and it does not teach your children good emotional coping skills. 3. Worry is not the same as planning. Worry is not the same as planning unless you're planning to have painful negative outcomes. Planning is defined as bringing future moments into the present so appropriate control can be applied. Worrying involves sending the mind into the future and imagining bad, painful, or unpleasant outcomes in that future moment. Planning increases control over future events thus reducing the possibility of negative outcomes. Worry does not. 4. Most of the things people worry about never happen. Think about all the things you've worried about and then ask yourself how many of them have actually happened. If you're like most people, very few of them occurred the way you worried about them. 5. Worry is a habit. Some people are so used to worrying that they don't know how not to worry. 
Worrying is a way of life for them. It is just something they do. These people are trapped. Many have no idea that there are other, much better ways to show that you love and are concerned for others. Some people actually become worriers because they like the attention they get for worrying about so many people and things. The bottom line, though, is that worrying does not solve problems. It keeps people from using their energy in more productive ways, and it continues to hold people in a chronically stressed state. What to do when you feel the urge to worry? Stop the stress response. We have referred to this before, how to prevent activation of the stress response, and it applies perfectly to worry. In any situation when you are worrying about something, you can ask yourself these questions. 1. What is the threat? 2. Is it real? 3. Can I control it? 4. Can I handle it? 5. Can I do something about it right now? 6. If not, can I think about it differently? By accurately answering these questions, you can eliminate habitual worrying completely. When you eliminate worrying, you have figured out another powerful way to prevent stress. Other things you can do to reduce worry. Try moving your worries from your mind to paper. Writing down what worries you can release feelings and give you perspective. Practice mindfulness. Worry consists of future, fear-filled thoughts. Mindfulness keeps your thought in the present moment. Refer to the mindfulness workbook. Talk about what worries you. You can talk to yourself or to another person. If you talk to another person, ask them to just be a sounding board. You probably don't want advice or for someone to judge you and your irrational fears. So ask the person to be aware of that and to just listen to you. Just talking about your feelings can release emotions and help you feel a lot better. By changing the threat thought and releasing negative emotions, worry disappears and is replaced by more positive and productive thoughts and feelings.